Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. There are some guests you could wish you want them to be on every single day so you can just drink at the fountain of their knowledge and their wisdom. But you can't. But it's okay because even those guests are everywhere. I don't know if he's cloned himself because whenever I go online, whenever I switch on the television or tune into a podcast, uh, sooner or later I'll find this man. He is very busy trying to save what is left of the Republic and our civilization. A um, ancient historian extraordinaire, a man with a strategic mind uh, from the Hoover Institution at Stanford University, our good friend, Professor Victor Davis Hanson. Professor Hanson, welcome back to America First. Thank you for having me, Seb. I want to tell a, a, a personal anecdote with, with your permission uh, concerning the launch of your book, um, The Case for Trump in D.C. Uh, you had a, a book event. I, I think it was hosted by Hoover or, 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 or another uh, affiliated organization. And I don't think we'd met at the time because this must have been six, seven years ago. We'd met electronically. And I, you know, like the eager schoolboy, I had my, my copy of your book that I took to the, uh, the book launch. And I went up to you before the event and I knelt down and I asked you, um, I just leant in and I said, oh, could I get a, a, an autograph? Could I have a, a dedication? And you looked at me and as you were writing, you said, quote, if I remember well, if it weren't for him, the socialists would have won. And I tell that story because of this clip that happened outside a New York courthouse last week concerning that man, and it just connects directly. Play cut. And you see what's happening is the railroad... And it's the beginning of communism in our country. It's the beginning of communism in our country. When I moved here 15 years ago, Professor, I, I used to laugh at, I used to make fun of my fellow conservatives who would say, the socialists are here, the communists are coming. And I used to say, oh, really? Can I talk to you about the scars on my father's body from where he was actually tortured by real communists in a political prison behind the Iron Curtain? Professor Hansen, I, I don't make those quips anymore. Have we arrived in your estimation? It's hard to know, but I think the country that we're looking at now would have been unimaginable just, say, 15 years ago. Nobody believed the FBI would turn into be an arm of the hard left, or the media would give up all pretensions of objectivity and, and, and announce that and brag about it, as they do. And I don't think anybody would suggest that all of these prosecutors and special um, 
special counsels would not not even have the not even take the effort to say they were disinterested. Every single one of them has strong left wing ties of some sort through marriage, through family, through contributions, and they're proud of it. And so we're in a situation where the left has said any means are necessary to achieve the ends of a quality of result society, and that's what they're after. And they don't care. Uh, even if it boomerangs on them, as we see with the wall, the, yes. the migration destroying blue cities or the crime taking the toll on leftist activists, they don't care. These is are that, collateral that, damage that, to the revolution. Is that, do they not care because they're blinded by, they're a hostage to their own ideology, or do they just think it's worth it because it will lead eventually to a hegemonic control of power? I think it's the latter. I think it's they feel it's acceptable collateral damage. I think they feel that when a blue state mayor or governor says, you've got to stop this, these people are overrunning my city and I can't have any social services for our citizens, they think or they say privately, well, this is a short-term inconvenience, but we're letting in 8 million future constituents that will be very valuable to us, so you're going to have to put up with the collateral damage. I think that's the way they look. It's it's very socialist, Soviet type of attitude that individuals don't matter. And as far as these people who have been carjacked, a representative's been carjacked, an activist is killed in Baltimore, killed in New York, killed in Philadelphia, killed in Oakland, they don't seem to be upset about it. They never say, well, this is on us, or we have to adjust. They feel, well, these people were noble people, but you know, they have to break a few eggs to make on a leftist omelet. So this just happens. So let's let's focus on that individual outside the courthouse for a moment. So right now he is the leader of the opposition in establishment polls, Washington Post, ABC. He's actually beating the incumbent president. He is 50, 40 to 50 points before anybody else amongst the Republicans. All of the challenges are in single digits. Even the governor of Florida is at 9%. So he is the effective leader of the opposition. At the same time, he's facing more than 730 years in prison, and this judge has ordered the shuttering of his companies, has issued a gag order on this man. Uh, Do you see a strategy for this? Because my greatest concern uh, with especially a second Trump administration is the lack of of a a true strategic center, meaning the likes of a Newt Gingrich, the likes of a James Baker, somebody who is the eminent Grise, who is the chief of staff, who says, yes, you love America, yes, you're the showman, yes, you've been the most successful Republican president in the 20th century, but this is how politics works, and this is how they're going to try and shut you down and put you in prison. Do you share that concern? I do. I've been I've been sharing that from the very beginning. There's nobody there who says, "Mr. President, you're absolutely right to scream at the moon and and ang- and be angry at this asymmetrical treatment." But we've got to be more strategic. If you want to criticize Latita James or Fannie Willis, let's do it with absolute data and facts and quote what she said rather than just getting mad. And let's say things that don't give ammunition for them to have a. Ga- an an unlawful or maybe an unethical gag order or a confinement to Mar-a-Lago. But don't 
don't feign surprise or naivety what they're doing. These are hardcore activists, and they're going to try to put you in prison and make it impossible for you to campaign. That's a fact. Yeah. And you've got to have a strategic agenda to, to prevent that. And you can see your unease is that in a generic poll, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, for that matter, have 52 or 53 percent say they don't want to rematch. But when you actually put names in as alternatives to Donald Trump, it's not even close, as right. you pointed out. So the, the candidate, just to take a Yunkin or DeSantis, their challenge is they haven't been able to attack Donald Trump because they felt to do so would be nihilistic. But now they're going to be desperate because they have to do something and they're going to start attacking Donald Trump. And we'll, we will see what happens when that occurs, because that hasn't happened really yet. My, and will my, it backfire? Or I don't know what the answer is. And I don't know. When you say you share, you have a concern, half the electorate has a concern that Donald Trump is more than just a victim of a, a, a ruined jurisprudence system. And he's more than just a successful ex-president. He holds the future the future of any chance to stop this socialist revolution. But for whatever reason, fair or not, if he's inert, then that's a concern of everybody. So what he says and what his strategy is, is not his alone. And they have to find some methodology to stop what's going on and get a viable candidate that can defeat Joe Biden. And yet they don't seem, they just look at the polls and they say, well, he's 50 points ahead in the primary, and he's running ahead of Joe Biden, so it's a done deal without going week by week. This is what's going to happen in October. This is what's going to happen in November. Yeah. Here's the court dates for December, and here's our strategy to circumvent those or to overcome them. I don't hear that. I don't see any indication they're going to do that. Uh, I have one more question uh, concerning that, and then we'll we'll move on. I have such a long list of questions to ask the good professor. Follow him at VD Hansen. Subscribe to his amazing uh, Blade of Perseus uh, newsletter and his website. He has written a veritable library of books. The most recent is the Dying Citizen. Sorry, the most recent is the Dying Citizen. Then we have the Case for Trump, uh, a fascinatingly entitled Second World Wars, and then one of my favorite. Favorites, a war like no other. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First. If you enjoy the deep dive with the true experts like the good professor, make sure you are subscribed on whichever podcast platform you prefer. Just plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Leave us a five-star review and share the links with your friends. And if you stand with my former boss, God willing, if we do our part, not just the 45th, but the 47th president of the United States, uh, check out this item of clothing. It is a t-shirt with his booking photograph from Atlanta and a very simple message, Trump 2024. All that and so much more, including my books, available at Seb Gorka Store. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A store.com. And please support him directly at DonaldJTrump.com. That's DonaldJTrump.com. Stay with us for more with Professor Victor Davis Hansen. Whether it's the regular Hellcat or whether it's the compensated RDP with that miniature red dot, I love them all. How did it take so long to invent a factory compensated 
subcompact 9mm, well, guess what? Springfield did it, and I'm a huge fan, and I'm Sebastian Gorka. The Hellcat from Springfield Armory is still the smallest, highest capacity micro compact in the world. Available in standard or optics ready configurations, the class leading capacity of the Hellcat gives you 11 plus 1 with the standard magazine and 13 plus 1 with the included extended mag. The definitive concealed carry pistol is here. The Hellcat from Springfield Armory gives you the capacity to defend. Welcome back with our very special guest, Professor Victor Davis Hansen. Professor, we um, we discussed the the lack of of a strategy for President Trump in responding to the persistent, almost daily assaults on his civil rights by various uh, different actors at state and uh, at the uh, federal level. I, I'm not making excuses for the president or his team, but I, I, I would like to broaden the aperture or to go to a more strategic level. And, and there's a friend of mine who has the morning show here in D.C. on WMAL, uh, an amazing radio host called Chris Plant. And he says one of the greatest achievements of the left in the last two generations is to guarantee that decent Americans, conservatives, would never agree to work in a Republican administration. It's just not worth it, uh, given uh, the Alinskyite tactics that are employed, employed against you. So I'd like to say there is a paucity, there's a lack of strategic thinking or the great mind sitting next to advising President Trump. But I don't even see that person in politics in general. We, we, we may have, you know, great former politicians like Newt Gingrich or strategic thinkers in academe like yourself, but in the body politic of the conservative establishment, there are no James Bakers anymore. Am I, am I being too harsh? No, but I think it even transcends politics. It's true in academia. 94% of my colleagues at Stanford University have donated if they when they donate, they donate to democratic politics. It's like a dignity insurance. The left comes to you and says, if you're one of us and you get charged with sexual harassment or you say a, a misplaced word or you get in trouble or you're under controversy, we don't care. We protect you. We have the institutions, we have the media, we have K through 12, we have the academic world, we have the foundations, we have the corporate boardroom, we have entertainment, we have professional sports. We can create an echo chamber. However, if you're an apostate, you don't have any indemnity insurance. We will go after you and destroy you. Now, what are the necessary adjustments that you will make given that reality? And for a lot of people, it's, I don't want the hassle, so I'm either gonna be quiet or I'm going to join the left, even though it's abhorrent to me. And that's why I think academics and authors and celebrities and politicians and people in Washington and the administrative state, they make those proverbial necessary adjustments. Can you I see say- it with Supreme Court justice, too. We, every, how many Democratic uh, Supreme Court justices become apostates and turn conservative? Almost none. <laughs> How many Republicans turn left or centrist? A lot. Yeah. 
Can can I just be a little bit more um, brutal? It's it's not indemnity. Yes. It's not it's not insurance. It's it's racketeering. It, it, it's the mobster who says it would be a shame if the windows of your store got broken in after dark today, wouldn't it? If you give me a hundred bucks every week, they won't be broken in. So it's really it's political racketeering, isn't it? I think so. What if what if just to take two isolated examples? What if Donald Trump had a dog? And this dog has bitten 12 people, and we're told that he has been rough with the dog. Or what if Donald Trump, when you saw that clip, turned around to a young girl and blew in her hair or tried to nibble her ear? That would be the end of Donald yeah, Trump. Yeah. And yet we know the president of the United States is completely immune from any type of consequence for that behavior which he engages in. Can we and look? That's because of these institutions. Can we look at the other side for a moment? So we we have a lack of strategic thinking or strategic actors, um, and I don't want to belittle what the left has achieved with a long march through the institutions and the Gramsciite takeover, but I, I do see maybe a ray of hope that I don't see the um, descendants of the Frankfurt School. I, I don't see the Marcuses of today. I don't see the, 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 the Rudy Duchkas or the Saul Alinskys. They're, they're parroting the, the instructions of, of a dead generation of big thinkers on the left. But do you see a great mind? I see people who fund it, like George Soros, but do you see really big thinkers on the left who who will save this enterprise when they start eating each other? No, because they're never constructive thinkers. So when you were talking about the 60s or the 70s where these people operated within, they were they didn't have the controls of government. They didn't have the, the House. They didn't have the Senate. They didn't have the Supreme Court. They didn't have the president. They didn't have these institutions yet. And so they were just barking at the moon, so to speak. Now... They do have the institutions, and they, until recently, they had all the powers of government. And maybe they do in the House. We don't know. We're not using that eight, that eight uh, representative majority very well. But my point is, when you're asked to do something constructive, like have a sensible border policy or stop the crime or stop the inflation or lower the interest rates, perhaps, or have a fuel or energy, but they can't do it because they're not— they're not invested in helping the country. They don't believe that the United States is exceptional and is a good force in the world, and they're going to do all they can to improve the laws. They're nihilist. And so they're very clever and they're very ingenious nihilists. But as constructivists, here in California, they can't build a dam. Yeah. They can't. The voters gave them $3 billion. They said, please build some dams so we have water during a drought. But destroy dams? They're destroying four dams on the Klamath River with no environmental obstacles at all. They've already blown up three of them very with that, quickly. With that They're very good at that. With that destructive impetus that, that is gene-coded into their political philosophy, does that sow the seeds for their eventual destruction? Because sooner or later, you've got to actually create stuff. You can't just burn yes. down. Is that good for us? Yeah, it is, because you look at the Biden agenda, border, 77 percent poll against it, economy, 65 percent, crime, 66 percent. 
energy, 55%. They have no uh, majority support on any of these issues, with the exception of maybe abortion, if the if the if the poll question is phrased in a way that they find uh, useful. So they don't have popular support, and people see that they're nihilist. And so what they're relying on right now is what I would call anti-democratic means. They want to change the way people vote for 70, 80% not voting on election day. They want to use the courts to interfere with the ballot process. They want to get Donald Trump off uh, the ballots in as many states as they can. And they look at process. If these institutions don't serve their immediate purposes, then discuss packing the court, yeah. get rid of the electoral college, get rid of the filibuster, yeah. change the way we vote, get rid of voter ID. And I think the Republicans are conservatives or traditionalists, and they'll say the system works pretty well. It's got a few rough spots, so we'll just have to try harder within the accepted sidelines. For the, for the left, there are no sidelines. Everything is negotiable. We're talking to Professor Victor Davis Hansen. The website, I cannot recommend it more highly, is victorhansen.com. I'm a subscriber to the Blade of Persis. You should be too. Uh, please follow him on social media, VD Hansen. And if you enjoy what we provide for you here on America First, don't forget to follow us on all social media. You can watch the show on the Salem News Channel app. And don't forget my Substack, new articles every week by me and direct uh, access to me, sebastiangorka.substack.com. Com site. That's my whole name. There's one word, sebastiangorka.substack.com. Greetings. I'm Dr. Sebastian Gorka, and I'm excited to share with you a groundbreaking opportunity in the artificial intelligence industry that stands resilient amidst the Sam Altman upheavals. Enter Versus AI and its pioneering genius platform. The AI sector has been largely dominated by large language models like those at OpenAI. Versus AI is charting a new course. The genius platform isn't just riding the AI wave, it's reshaping it, drawing inspiration from the intricate biological processes of nature. Don't miss this potential breakout company. Be part of the AI revolution. Versus AI, with its commitment to innovative solutions, is poised to remain a leader in the dynamic world of artificial intelligence. As AI becomes increasingly central to our future, the potential of Genius's platform to enhance your investment portfolio is immense. We invite you to be part of this exciting journey. Discover the power of Genius at emcversus.com. Versus is publicly traded with the symbol VRSSF. That's VRSSF. The following is a paid advertisement sponsored by Versus AI. Salem is not an investment advisor, and this is not a solicitation or recommendation by Salem to buy or sell any securities. Salem and Dr. Gorka are being paid $85,000 to carry this ad on its radio and podcast network. Salem does not endorse any investment product, and you should check with your personal financial advisor before investing. Welcome back with our very special guest, Professor Victor Davis Hansen. You are a historian. Um, what happens to a republic when the institutions themselves that practice power no longer function per the values they were founded upon? What, what, what options are left to those 
who become the targets of those institutions, whether you're a former president or you're a pro-life minister in Philadelphia or whether you're a rioter who wasn't even in Washington, D.C. on January the 6th but gets a 22-year custodial sentence. Does it have to be civil war, Professor Hansen, or is there any other remedial action open to those who don't want to see the nation torn asunder? It doesn't have to be civil war, but the response is kind of a dilemma. So on the conservative viewpoint, you have two choices. You can emulate the tactics of the left and politicize and weaponize the government to go after them the way they had gone after you, or you can be high-minded and noble and say, if we were to get into this downwards tit-for-tat cycle, it'll destroy the republic. But it's all predicated on getting power. You have to come, get back in, in power. And then you have to restore these institutions and win over the majority of Americans by not emulating the tactics that they did. And yet, you have to have some deterrence so they know they can't do that anymore. And that's fine line between achieving deterrence and paying back kind for kind and therefore destroying further any chance of restoration is very hard to do. And the Republicans, uh, they've, I'm very upset about this fight about the, the speaker because they have a thin margin of error. They only have half of one third of government. And they have to, they have a golden opportunity with this bankrupt Biden administration to win the Senate, to win the House, to get a 55% win in the presidency. They have the Supreme Court, more or less, on most cases. They could really stop this socialist revolution and restore the integrity and the values of this country. But uh, if they fight and they don't understand that this is not the Democratic Party of Bill Clinton or yeah. JFK or Harry Truman, these are Jacobin, to use that French revolutionary term, these are, these are holistic revolutionary. Everything is up for grabs with them, whether it's the foundational date or the, the number of genders. It's a revolution that entails every aspect of our lives. We haven't but, seen this before in our lifetime. But don't you think last week's argument over the speaker and the historic removal, aren't these simply aftershocks or echoes and reverberations of 2016? I mean, the actions taken by Gates are very reflexive, are they not, of, of what we could call the MAGA base and, and just dissatisfaction with the last nine months. If you see the border and maybe 30 million illegals, and you see what, what, what has the power of the purse brought us in the House, isn't the dissatisfaction understandable? It is, but let's just transcend MAGA or non-MAGA and look at the Republican Party. They have lost seven out of the last eight popular votes, including 2016. They have not had 51% of the vote since George H.W. Bush, of all people, beat Dukakis and unleashed Lee Outwater. And so whatever the particular ideology is, they have not been able to overcome the institutional power of the, of the left. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is they have a thin margin of error. And whether we like it or not, to stop this socialist agenda, you have to have unity in the Republican Party. And unfortunately, there are rhinos, there are centrists, there are Romneyites, there's neoconservatives. And there's paleoconservatives and MAGA. But you have to find some way of saying that as much as we disagree, 
we are all far more in line than the opposition is with us. Right. And we have to stick together or hang separately. Uh, and they're not, they don't get that message. And the other thing very quickly, Seb, is they had the House and they had the Senate and they had the presidency in 2017. And we ran up a $600 billion pre-COVID debt in 17 and 18 and 19, more than that. And we had it with George W. Bush in 2001. In fact, he inherited a yeah. balanced budget. And what did we do? We we spent ourselves into oblivion. So when Matt Gates says, I'm here to address fiscal integrity, you want to say to Matt, well, it's a larger question than right now, Matt. Mm -hmm. It's how do you get power? And when you do get it, you don't do what we have been doing with it. Correct. And that yeah. is printing money. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. It's it's not just the, the current situation. It's what we, we've been on CRs and omnibus uh, spending since the 1990s. We're talking to Professor Victor Davis Hansen. The latest book is The Dying Citizen. Get it today. We are coming to you from the relieffactor.com studios. Do you suffer from daily pain or do you know someone who does, a loved one who struggles with it every single day? If that's the case, can I recommend that you do what I did? I suffered from low back pain for nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor, and within two weeks, I was pain-free, and I'm still pain-free more than four and a half years later. If you've tried every other solution and failed to find relief, order right now at relieffactor.com. The three-week quick starter pack will be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do, and I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee, by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you, like it works for me, and over a million of your fellow Americans. Ask yourself a very simple question. What do I have to lose? If the only answer is the pain, I think you know what to do. Call right now, 1-800-THE-NUMBER-4-RELIEF, or go to relieffactor.com. That's 1-800-473-5433, or just go to relieffactor.com. We'll be back with Professor Hansen after these messages. MyPillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever, and just in time for Christmas. For a limited time, get the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98, pillowcases for only $9.98, and rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, and so much more, all with deals that are happening now. Now. They are also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2024, making them the perfect gift for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com and use promo code GORKA or call 800-829-8468 and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98 and get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Welcome back with our very special guest, Professor Victor Davis Hansen. As somebody who spent 15 years in a post-dictatorial country, the, the land of my parents, um, and realized the deep destruction wrought on that nation by 40 years of communism, that I tried in my modest way to 
counterbalance for 15 years, but then I realized this deep, this rod has gone into the marrow of a society. Here's my challenge. If, God willing, if we do our part and say President Trump comes back and we try to reset the republic, we must not be tempted to do what the left has done, which is to weaponize government for political purposes. But when I look at countries like Hungary or South Africa or elsewhere, where there isn't some settling of scores, and I don't mean in the sense of revenge, I mean in the sense of justice must be seen to be done. In a few key cases, this was the lustration of uh, the Czech Republic, of Poland, then, then we don't fix anything, and it just becomes cyclical and vicious, and we literally become a Latin American, quote-unquote, banana republic. So is it not a non-negotiable requirement that the likes of Millie, who took treasonous actions with General Lee in China, saying, I will warn you if my boss wants to go to war with China, or the likes of Brennan and Comey, who used the CIA and the FBI as literal political police entities, if these people, at least just a handful of them, don't face legal and judicial consequences, we haven't solved anything by winning an election. Would you agree? Yeah, as long as it's in the institutional framework. So yeah. you mentioned some names. I don't know what the statute of limitations are on particular crimes, but when John Brennan lied twice under oath and when James Clapper lied under oath and both admitted they did, there should have been consequences. Is it too late to indict them? I don't know. If it wasn't too late and the statutes have not expired, yes. Mark Milley violated the chain of command. It's not lawful the chairman of the Joint Chief to interfere with the communications between a theater commander and the defense secretary. That's a statute. It's not lawful for uh, under our treasonous uh, statutes for the chairman of the Joint Chief to call his Chinese counterpart and warn him that in terms of, of a crisis on the horizon that he would first contact him. And it's not lawful for a existing president, which Donald Trump was in 2020, for retired four-star generals, there were about eight of them, who variously called their commander-in-chief in violation of Statute 88 of the Uniform Code of Military Justice to call him a liar, a Nazi, a Mussolini. That should have all been actionable. And it wasn't. So for Mark Milley to stand up there when he's violated at least two or three uh, statutes and to do so with impunity, I think, just encourages more, more uh, lawlessness. So if you have Anthony Fauci, and he's under oath, and he looks Rand Paul in the eye, and he says, I did not fund gain-of-function research in, in Wuhan, that's a demonstrable lie. Yeah. And so there's no repercussions. And James Comey feigning, feigning amnesia on 245 occasions under oath before the Intelligence House Committee. Yes. So as long as the institutions are there and you make the case that you are not being selective, that you're going to start enforcing across the board anybody who goes before Congress or to a federal investigator and lies, or any officer that disrupts unlawfully the chain of command, or any officer who contacts, without the authority of the commander-in-chief, a 
counterpart in a belligerent nation. Any of these things should have been actionable. And I don't know, I guess your question is, are they actionable after the fact of two, three, four years? I don't know that answer. But but but, but if, you if, have to have a deterrent. You have to have a deterrent. Right. So it, it has to happen. Always going to be. Yes, you have yes. to have a deterrent, and it cannot be an extra legal deterrent. Yeah. You have to say we're going to enforce the laws. Now and we your, don't care upon who that falls. Your your latest book, The Dying Citizen, uh, speaks to the fabric of the nation outside of institutions, the culture, the question of open borders. Say we can have the deterrence, say key individuals are prosecuted under the statute of limitations, all well and good. But can we undo what has happened to America in the last three years? Because we, we, could, we, we know six million that we know of. It could be 20, it could be 30. Can, can we re-engineer or re-inculcate a culture of America where citizenship has become so diluted it seems to be without content? I think you can if you were, if the Republican president, whomever, whoever it might be, were to finish the wall and they would go down to Mexico and say, we were returning to a relationship we had. And refugees will be applying for that status in Mexico. And there will be no more catch and release. And the Border Patrol will follow existing federal immigration law. And if your citizens came illegally into the United States, and the second thing they did was reside illegally, they will be deported. And there may be 8 million of them, from what I understand. If you were to do that, would it be traumatic? Maybe, but not as traumatic as destruction of immigration law. So I guess we could do that. And if you did that, I think Mexico would get the message and they wouldn't encourage that because after all, they're after $60 million in foreign um, exchange remittances by their own yeah. citizens once they and they they use it as a safety valve so people march on the border rather than Mexico City. So that's it's it's a win 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 win. And when you add in the fentanyl and the money the cartels make and contribute to the Mexican economy, they don't see any downside. And that's why Trump was very very astute to see that the the answer was to go down to Mexico and tell them that they either patrol their border or they were going to suffer repercussions that it wouldn't be worth it in a cost-to-benefit analysis, and it worked. Um, and we could do it easily again. This is, this is an unusually optimistic uh, interview with our friend Professor Hansen. He says we can fix the situation in D.C., and we can even fix the situation with regards to American citizenship. You have to uh, listen to this man. The website is victorhansen.com. The special subscription is The Blade of Perseus. He's the co-host of the Scholars and Sense podcast. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First One-on-One, coming to you from the relieffactor.com studios. We all know that aches and pains come with simply getting older, but it doesn't mean you have to accept it. That's why I want to tell you about a special lady, Leah from Ohio, and her relief factor story. One Sunday, Leah was sitting on the couch in so much pain, she was literally in tears. That's when she decided to try Relief Factor. Just eight days later, she found relief, and she continued to get better and better. To quote her, she said, I am truly amazed at this product. Like me, who after nine, almost ten years, almost a decade of low back pain, 
lost that pain thanks to Relief Factor. If you're living with aches and pains, see how Relief Factor, a daily drug-free supplement, could help you feel and live better every day. Get the three-week quick starter pack at relieffactor.com or call 1-800-4-RELIEF. It all comes with the feel better or your money-back guarantee. That number, 1-800-4-RELIEF. Relieffactor.com. Stay with us for more with Professor Victor Davis Hansen. Welcome back with our very special guest, Professor Victor Davis Hansen. Uh, one last question that may not seem obvious, but I think it ties very directly to your uh, latest book, The Dying Citizen, that everybody listening to the show should have a copy of. Um, we're seeing some very interesting data, Professor, on President Trump, uh, minorities, and especially black males in America. We've seen since the 19, late 1960s, uh, 1970s, a kind of locked-in political plantation uh, for Democrats concerning the black vote. Is it possible, and I know you live in an incredibly ethnically heterogeneous part of California, is it possible that that stranglehold the left has on the minority vote could be cracking because of what President Trump represents in terms of an alpha male, as in terms of a man uh, persecuted by overzealous political prosecutors, could there be some kind of potential tectonic shift? I think there is. It doesn't have to be much because the Democratic Party has destroyed its traditional white uh, working class base. And white males vote almost over 60% in most elections, anti-democratic. So they have been pandering to minority communities to get astounding rates of subservience, 90% of blacks, 75% of Hispanics, and they need that. That's a razor sin. They consider that the minimum. So if you could get the black vote down to 80% or the Hispanic vote down to 50%, it would be catastrophic. And I think there is, especially among Latino males and black males, there's there's one other element in that calculus, and that is when you hear the bicoastal, largely white elite and very elite minority people that work with that white elite, they're not necessarily, they don't come across as average people. They don't come across as empathetic. They lecture, they sermonize, they dictate, they talk down to people, and they're hypocritical, whether it's climate change or charter schools or you name it. And they're never subject to the consequences of their own ideology. When they spike gas prices or they ban natural gas, that falls on poor people or middle class people. And they get the impression increasingly these people don't care. They're arrogant. They're ideologues. And that comes across personally when you talk to them. I'm speaking as someone who you know works on the Stanford campus. And when you see these people and you talk to them, they come across as unconcerned with anybody but themselves. They're selfish, narcissistic people. And I think a lot of people are starting to sense that they don't like the atmosphere that, that 
that these people inhabit. They don't like the landscape, the environment these people operate within. They don't like to be told what to do, and especially by people they feel are not very versatile or equipped to deal with the real world. We've been talking to Professor Victor Davis Hanson, one of your favorite interviews here on America First. You've been listening to America First One-on-One with me, Sebastian Gorka, former strategist of the 45th President of the United States. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, keep your head on a swivel, watch your six, hold the line, never give up, never give in, and stay frosty. <laughs>